This is The Art of Being You, and I'm Rachel Wortman. This podcast brings you inspiration, insights, and practical tools to help you become more like Jesus. Get ready to embrace who God has created you to be. I've got a great episode in store for you today, so without further ado, here is The Art of Being You. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Welcome to the art of being you. Can we talk about 2022? Can we just take a moment and talk about it? I wish that I could hear from you sharing about your year and the things that you felt like you rocked it at and the things that you felt like rocked you and where you're coming out of it and how you're approaching 2023. I love this kind of conversation. Um, But since I can't hear from you, I thought I'd share with you my takeaways on 2022, and hopefully they'll be helpful things for you. My dream of my life is that all of the craziness that I go through would help other people avoid the same craziness. That is like my life goal, that if I can be transparent and authentic and real with you, maybe you can avoid some of the pitfalls that I've had to endure And so that's why. Uh, If you're on my email list, and I hope that you are, you can sign up for that on my website, www.rachelwortman.com. But if you're on the email list, you probably already saw my five takeaways from 2022. And I am going to read those super quick for those of you guys that didn't get the email. And then I want to talk about how I ended 2022 and where God had kind of put me Um, which I think is going to be helpful for some of you. So my top five takeaways were number one, some of my ideas are not good ideas. And this is a bit embarrassing to admit, um, but for someone like me who has high ideation. So if you are familiar with the strengths finder, uh, I am never short of ideas. In fact, Grant jokes with me. He thinks I have like 60,000 ideas a day. And I'm like, I surely do not. It's more like 30,000. There's no shortage of ideas that ever happen in my mind. And they always feel so good, right? They always feel doable and realistic and they're just not, not all of them anyway. If you're an idea person like me, you probably need to hear this, that not all of your ideas are good ideas. Um, And that was a good one for me to learn this year because I knew that anyway, but I think that I allowed myself to chase some of the ideas that felt good without going through my sort of typical filtering process, and that did not work out for me very well. Um, Number two, I'm motivated by passion. I just am. I want my life to be about the things that I'm passionate about, and when I'm doing stuff I'm not passionate about, I just kind of die a little bit inside. And this year was a good reminder of that. Um, So coming into 2023, both Grant and I are very committed to only doing things that we're really passionate about um, or finding a way to be passionate about it. If it's stuff that, you know, sometimes admin, it's like, I don't really love it, but it helps us get to the goal we're trying to go to. And so you can be passionate about it because you're passionate about the ultimate goal. Number three, pressure to perform is not from God. Now, this one should be obvious. It was obvious. I knew this anyway. But I discovered again, just when I put standards on myself uh, and I pressure myself to hit those standards, that that is not the way that God operates with us. And that was a painful lesson of this year. Number four, relationships matter. They just do. They matter. The relationships that we spend our time with, they affect us, both positive and negative. 
And then number five, last but not least, life cannot be stopped. It just can't. I actually was thinking about this as I went to bed last night that, you know, some days are so good and you don't want them to end and other days are so bad you can't wait for them to end. And I was thinking it is just this this train. I know a lot of people equate life to a train moving forward. It's like it can't be stopped. You can get on, you can get off, you know, you can you can pause for a moment. Um, but it really can't be stopped. And so because of that, as I move into a new decade of my life next summer, um, I want to just live it fully. You know, I want to, I want to seize every moment that I can and try to find joy in it no matter what. Okay. So those were the top five takeaways that I emailed out. And if you're on my email list, you've already heard those. I want to talk about what happened to me towards the end of the year. And I realized that I was really struggling with a lot of anxiety and a lot of um, really challenging thoughts. Like I, I felt like um, I'm a pretty blunt person in normal daily life, but I have always kind of told myself I shouldn't be. So this is kind of going back to even last week's shame episode, right? So if I'm blunt and I'm not paying attention, uh, sometimes I can feel really bad. Like, oh, I should have known that that was, you know, too aggressive. I don't feel like I'm ever mean when I am blunt, but I can be blunt. And I think I started to feel really afraid that I was going to be too honest in different areas of my life and that that was going to have negative consequences relationally. And it's always difficult when you've had relationships end and some of those you don't even know why. It's difficult because your mind kind of starts spinning, right? And I began to realize that I was not walking in peace at all. Um, in fact, I was really worried a lot. I was worried about how this was going to go down. I was worried about how this other thing was going to get pulled off. I was worried about, you know, even in the economy, right? Our economy right now is challenging. And in the real estate world, it's very, very challenging. And we have a lot of, of real estate agents that, um, you know, that we care about. And so worrying about that. And I felt like I was losing a little bit of a piece of myself in this. And um, typically I'm a pretty peaceful person. I've, I've encountered the peace of God a lot over the years and I wasn't always, but I've had so much inner healing. And so I realized I'm like, I don't feel peaceful, like hardly at all. In fact, I just feel worried. I feel anxious. I feel nervous a lot. And I was talking to the Lord about this a couple of months ago and I, towards the end of 2022. And I was just saying, God, you know, what do you have for me? What's on your heart? And he took me to this scripture in John 14, where Jesus begins to talk about his peace. And he says, my peace, I leave with you. And my peace is not of this world. It's not what the world gives. And, uh, and I started meditating on that and thinking, okay, God, your peace is something I cannot get through a relaxation time. I can't get it from sitting in a quiet room or sitting at the beach. Although, you know, I do find God's peace at the beach, but I can't get it just from that. The peace that Jesus gives us is otherworldly. It doesn't come from something we can extrapolate it from here on the earth. It comes from the heart of God. And so I began to just do this deep dive on the the concept of peace, God's peace in particular, and, you know, rediscovering that the Holy Spirit, one of the fruits of the Spirit is peace, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. I feel like I missed one. 
Um, but those are the fruits of the spirit that Galatians five tells us. What does that mean? That means that when the Holy Spirit is working in your life, when you are yielding to the Holy Spirit is a better way to say that, then you will have those characteristics at work in you. You will bear the fruit of love when you are yielding yourself to the Holy Spirit. You will bear the fruit of joy. You will bear the fruit of peace. So when we don't have peace, we can logically think backwards and realize maybe we're not yielding to the Holy Spirit as much as we think we are. And that was, for me, one of the big things that I I realized. I realized that I had allowed myself to sort of like pick up my bootstraps and, and finish strong at the sake of being motivated and led by the peace of God. And the peace of God is God himself. Now, I was really frustrated to realize that I was kind of um, not paying enough attention to the leading of the Holy Spirit on the day in and day out. And it was a good reminder for me because I think sometimes we can take for granted the grace of God, right? Sometimes we can take for granted his peace and when everything is going well and we don't always, um, uh, yeah, we, we just take it for granted. And so I began to meditate, okay, what does it look like, Lord, for me to walk in your peace? So I'm thinking about this, but I'm not really anything's nothing, nothing's really changing in my life. I'm still feeling really anxious. I'm still feeling stressed a lot. And I'm telling the Lord, I don't want this stress, but I don't know what to do with it. It's like, I'm trying to get rid of it and it's not going away. You know, there are high stakes things going on in my life, uh, deals that are going down, you know, big events that we're planning, just a lot of things that all the pieces need to fall into place. And I'm going, I don't know how to let this stress go. And then it hit me. I'm talking to the Lord about these scriptures on peace. And the Holy Spirit says to me, listen, it is vital that you walk in my peace. It's imperative for you, Rachel, to walk in my peace. It is not okay with me if you are not a peaceful person. Whew, okay. I don't know if you ever feel like the Lord talks to you like that. Sometimes he gets a little firm. He's never unloving, but he is firm sometimes, right? And he was saying to me, look, you are ignoring what I have done for you. And then you're complaining that things aren't working out, right? And he's like, do you not see this connection? This is me paraphrasing. But I told the Lord, okay, I see it now. I can see that I've not been accepting the peace that you provide. Why did I say it that way? Because God is always going before us to provide for us what we need. We don't ever get in front of him to where he cannot give us what we need. The road is laid out in front of us and we are discovering. But that doesn't mean that we're discovering the thing he wants us to discover. Does this make sense? So I might be going down the path he wants me to go, but I'm ignoring the provisions that he's put in my bag already, which are his peace, his grace, trusting that he's in this, trusting that he's going to work it all out, etc. So he says to me, Rachel, you have a choice to make. He said, you can choose to do less with your life. You can back up. You can do less, have less responsibility and just kind of The way I interpreted it, I'm not saying this is how God meant it, but the way I interpreted that was kind of like go down a level of responsibility, you know? It's like you can go back to the place where it was easier for you to be peaceful, or you can discover where my peace is for you today. He said, the choice is really yours, but what's not a choice is for you to continue in this way. Man. 
Now, I don't know how the Lord speaks to you. I'm going to tell you up front that I gave my life to Jesus a long time ago. In fact, when I was 12 years old, I said, God, you are my Lord now. And almost every day since then, I have told the Lord, I'm your bond servant. You can do whatever you want with my life. When you pray that kind of prayer and when you pray it over the course of decades, God is going to treat you according to that, right? He's not going to force himself onto anybody, but when you invite him to be the Lord and master of your life, then he takes that seriously. And there are definitely times, not often, but there are times in my life where God will get a little bit firm with me, maybe at times a little bit aggressive, because I have said, you are my master. And when I'm not treating him like my master, then we have a different conversation. You might say, well, wait a minute, I thought that God was so gracious and loving and kind. And I would say, yes, he is. But look at how he had different um, circles of influence with people, right? To the people that were in the crowd, he's inviting them to come and see who he is. And then he wants them to go from being in the crowd to eventually becoming a disciple. And then eventually he wants his disciples to truly give up their life for him, right? And so that is the progression that we're on and where you are in that progression matters and it will determine how God speaks to you. That's my personal belief. That's my personal opinion. You can have a different one. But I believe that the farther that we go with the Lord and the more that he entrusts into us, it's kind of like when Jesus says to whom much is given, much is required, right? There's a, there's a, um, when God gives you something, there's a responsibility that comes along with that. He doesn't just give it out like, like you won the lottery and it wasn't for anything. You know, every single person in the Bible who was blessed was blessed to become a blessing to the people around them, to be established as somebody who could help the people around them, right? And so when God begins to move on your behalf and raise you up and bless you and and trust you with different things, well, he has a good way of being holding you accountable to that as well. So this was that moment for me. God was holding me accountable to some things that he'd entrusted into my life. And he's saying, look, Rachel, I've entrusted you with this and and you were ready to be entrusted with it. But now you're kind of like, you know, you're veering left a little bit and you need to pull it together. And so I said, okay, God, I don't want to back down. I want to receive. I want to receive more of your peace. So I said, how do I do that? And he began to talk to me, right? He began to speak to me about how to look for his peace in a fresh way at that point in my life. So here's the crazy thing. A lot of us want to be led by external circumstances, right? We want to be led by like signs, like written in the sky. We, we kind of look, maybe without realizing it, we look back at the story of the Israelites um, wandering around in the desert, being led by a pillar of fire um, and, a, and a cloud of smoke by day, right? That when we're going, that sounds really good because now I, I would know where God is and what he wants for my life. I would know that. And if we look at that story, then we see that's not exactly true. The people who could see God, it wasn't really motivating them anymore to be obedient or loyal or trust in the Lord. It was just they could see God. They could see him in this in this fire. And so for me, I know that at times I want so badly to be led externally, right? I want it to be obvious. I don't want there to be any mystery around it. But that's not what the new covenant is. It's just not. So if you're looking for scripture to back this up, Jeremiah 31, verse 31 through 34, or 2 Corinthians 3, verse 3, I believe, or Hebrews chapter 10, verse 16, all of these scriptures are talking about how there was a new covenant that would come that would be written on your heart. 
it would be written on your heart. Well, what was the old covenant? Well, the old covenant was written on tablets, right? God said, here's the rules to follow. And he wrote them with his finger on tablets and Moses carried them down and he showed the people, you know, and that was their governing system. This is why we're being obedient. This is what we're striving to for loyalty. But in the history of the old Testament, it wasn't a very good motivation. It wasn't enough to keep people motivated to keep being loyal to God. They struggled so much. And so then Jeremiah begins to prophesy, behold, there's a new covenant that's coming and the law will be written on their hearts, written on their hearts. So when you come to Jesus and you become this new creation, you have the law of God, the ways of God, the, the, the heart of God written on your heart. And then you're given the Holy Spirit to seal that up. And the Holy Spirit becomes your guide, right? The Holy Spirit becomes the indwelling presence of God to create constant desire to be loyal to the ways of God. I don't know about you, but this is mind boggling to me. I I never get tired of talking about this stuff. So when we begin to yearn for something external, I think it's because we're beginning to ignore the internal yearning. See, when you're in Christ Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you and the Holy Spirit begins to yearn for the ways of God. And so when you go off course, the Holy Spirit begins to yearn for righteousness and that feels to us like conviction, right? That is conviction. It's God saying, wait a second, this isn't the way to go. So if I want the Holy Spirit to live in my life fully and freely, and I do, I really, really do, then when I'm harboring patterns of the flesh like fear, stress, um, worry, doubt, then I'm crowding the Holy Spirit's space with his nemesis, right? With the thing he came to kill, <laughs> with the thing that Jesus put in the ground when he was resurrected from the cross. We're now motivated by being led from within our very heart. So I want to ask you a question. What does it look like to evaluate the things going on in your life through this lens? If it makes you lose your peace, it's probably not from the Lord. If it makes you lose your peace. Now, let's be honest. Sometimes God calls us to things that are very hard. I absolutely do not subscribe to the concept that God doesn't give us more than we can handle. I think that scripture that people use to tie that to it is way misconstrued from its actual context and meaning. In fact, I'm confident God gives us things we cannot handle constantly because he's challenging our faith to grow us. If God couldn't give us more than we can handle, then Peter walking on water doesn't make any sense, right? It just doesn't because, I mean, just think about it. God loves to give us more than we can handle so that we will grow up into the person that we are becoming, the person who can handle those things. But here's the kicker, guys. In time, he will give you something more than you can handle. Again, it is how he works. He draws us deeper, further down the road, and then we realize it's dark out here, and then he lights up within us, and we're like, oh, okay, I can make sense of this. This has been the season that I've been in for the last two years, actually, like changing and, 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 and growing and shifting and sort of in this kind of butterfly metamorphosis transformation thing. Again, it's not my first rodeo with this it's multiple times I've gone through this process. And as you're becoming this new thing, you have to remember to keep your bearings in the Holy Spirit. 
so that the Holy Spirit can bear the fruit that he wants to bear in your life. So my 2022 takeaway is that the peace of God is so important. It has to lead me. It has to guide me. And if my thoughts begin to wander into a place of worry, then I have to step back and say, God, I trust you. And if I can't say that with honest conviction, then I got to take a step farther back and say, God, why am I struggling to trust you? I remember uh, at one point in the course of this year, we were making some investments and doing some things that felt really risky. And the Lord said to me, Rachel, it is okay for all your eggs to be in my basket. He said, it's okay for you to not have a plan B. It's okay that if I don't come through, you're going to be in, in a real bind. He said, I like that place. That's trust. That's faith. I said, God, (laughs) I'm sweating over here. You know, this is so hard. I said, I've never had something with these high stakes before. I've never, I've trusted you with like my very life, like my actual physical life, if you know my story, but this felt different. This was like, if you don't come through with this, I'm going to reap the consequences of it and it's going to hurt. You know, it's going to be damaging. It's going to be challenging. And the Lord's going, trust me, trust me, put your faith in me, go down in the ball of flame of faith if you have to, but choose to err on the side of faith. And I'm telling you, even after some of those moments of entrusting him and seeing on the back end, he's just so stinking good. Am I right? It's like he's so good. And when we fear the trusting process, I think we don't give ourselves to the faith component of it. So let me wrap it up by sort of how the Lord kind of finished out this two-month journey of meditating on the peace of God um, for me. And I had such a breakthrough in this. In fact, almost instantaneously from just shifting my focus, I already felt the peace of God like come into my heart. But over the last two months, it was just this real challenge to go, Lord, I'm going to see your peace in everything that's going on in my life. I will not receive, um, worry. And I will not receive, you know, like the stress that comes from that because I'm going to trust you. Now I'm, this is like a moment by moment, second by second prayer at times, right? So how it ended was the Lord was talking to me recently and he said, here's the deal, Rachel. We all have to live our lives. We're all challenged. We're called. We're supposed to live our lives with God's goodness as our foundation, right? So the the goodness of God is the bedrock that we stand on. It is our firm foundation. And everything that we do comes from the place of knowledge that he is good, he's trustworthy, that he's taking care of us. And so then we look forward from that place of his goodness and we see the promises that he has put in front of us that we want to see fulfilled. And he had me draw this out in my journal. So it was like a little rectangle at the bottom that said the goodness of God. And then a couple lines of journal up was a rectangle that said promises fulfilled. And then he said, now fill all of the in-between with a big cloud. And I was like, okay, so I color in this cloud. And he says, that's my mystery. He said, that's my mystery. And he said, the place between the goodness of God and the promises being fulfilled is filled with confusing mystery. It's only confusing if we choose to look at it without the lens of faith. And this is what he said, because I I tell the Lord all the time, I don't understand why you're so mysterious. Like, I want to know, you know, I'm like, I want to be in the know. Anybody else like me? Like, like, tell me straight. I don't like wondering. 
And he said, I will never not be mysterious. He said, from the beginning of time to the end of time, I will have mystery around me. I like it. And he said, it's not about you and I'm not changing it for you. So, ouch. Thanks, dad. (laughs) And so the Lord says, I'm not going to change my mysterious nature just because you're uncomfortable in it. He said, you have to learn to yield to the mystery, accept that there is mystery in this life and recognize that faith is the anchor that gets you from the goodness of God rectangle to the promises fulfilled rectangle. And if you don't know how to exercise your faith in the midst of the mystery, then it will feel confusing and fearful and frustrating. And he said, but what I want for my sons and daughters is that we will let faith be the anchoring thing that draws us from the goodness of God to the promises being fulfilled. Are you tracking with me in this? And the faith gets activated in the mystery because we don't understand and we can't see, but the faith compels us to keep reaching and believing for those promises to come to pass. You guys, the book of Hebrews tells us it is impossible to please God without faith. It is impossible. All of your morally right things, doing all the right things at all the right time, if you do it without faith, you're not pleasing the Lord. I think this is why he loves the mystery thing, right? Because we have to use our faith to please him. So the peace of God, the fruit that the peace gives, the the, the fruit of the Holy Spirit that brings the peace in our life becomes the navigating, like the GPS through the mystery, Because we know that we're anchored in his peace. So even though things don't make sense, even though we can't fully grasp them, even though we can't fully understand them, we are anchored in his peace. And that's what keeps us compelled to keep reaching in faith to see the promises be fulfilled. So I know this is deep. I know this is maybe a little bit heavy, but I wanted to share this with you guys because for me, this is something I've been chewing on and thinking about for weeks now. And it's been so profound in my personal life and I didn't want to keep it to myself. If you're the kind of person who's looking at your year that you've just had and you're saying, I feel like I don't understand. Ask yourself, is it the mystery of God or is it confusion? Because what the enemy loves to do is he loves to bring confusion while we're in the mystery right? And he wants us to doubt God. And what happens when we doubt? We don't want to use our faith when we're doubting, right? When I got doubts in the back of my mind, I'm like, "Mm, I don't know about this. It's very hard to stand in confident faith. But the Lord loves his mystery and he's not going to change it. So we have to get comfortable with feeling the peace of God and exercising our faith so that we can see the promises of God be fulfilled in our lives, not just for us, but for the world at large. All right, guys, I think that's enough for today. Until next time, be blessed. You've just listened to another episode of The Art of Being You. My goal is to empower you to embrace the goodness of God over your life and step into that abundant life that can only be found in Jesus Christ. And did I mention that I'd love to connect with you? Find me on Facebook and Instagram at Rachel Wartman and on TikTok at The Rachel Wartman. You can find more resources, including my books and other teachings at rachelwartman.com.